Welcome to Pop to the Lou, where we share hilarious, embarrassing, heartbreaking, and inspiring stories of living life with IBD. This is purely for entertainment purposes. This is not medical, health, or even life advice, so do not take anything we say seriously. Welcome to episode 24 of Pop to the Lou and our last episode of season two. Time has gone by so quickly. I can't, I can't believe we're at the end of season two already, but don't worry. We will be back for season three. In the meantime, there's a lot happening in the world at the moment. There certainly is, sir. So it is currently Mental Health Awareness Week here in the UK. So we're actually recording on the 11th of May. So the Awareness Week is from the 9th to the 15th of May. So we just wanted to remind everyone to reach out, contact your friends and family or any other kind of additional external resources. If you're really, really struggling at the moment, please, please, please do not try and deal with everything yourself. Please bounce off each other. And yeah, if you're struggling, just reach out. Uh, Mental health is often forgotten. There's so much stigma still around it. And we need to focus on it as much as we do with our physical health. So please, please, please reach out. The other thing I wanted to kind of touch on this week is to kind of do a little dedication to Deborah James, who is a BBC podcaster here in the UK. She has been fearlessly fighting stage four bowel cancer since 2016. She's also known as Bowel Babe, and she has a Bowel Babe Fund, which contributes to Cancer Research UK. She's raised over two million pounds um, from all of her amazing work. She's just incredible. And all she's ever wanted to do is raise awareness, especially for the younger kind of individuals that might not think that they're at risk of getting bowel cancer. Um, she's gone into palliative care in the last couple of days. So we just wanted to send so much love out to Deborah, her family and all of her friends. And thank you so much for what you've done in relation to raising awareness. We just wanted to reiterate those symptoms to look out for in relation to bowel cancer. So it's bleeding, changing your bowel habit, unexplained weight loss, unexplained tiredness, and a pain or lump in your stomach. If you have any of those symptoms, please, please, please go to your GP GP and get them checked out and do not let them send you away. Please insist that they carry out the necessary tests and make sure that you guys are okay. Deborah, you've done amazing work and we are thinking of you and your nearest and dearest. Absolutely. And like Cass said, be persistent. I mean, if you've, if you've listened to any of the people that we've had on the podcast, it's taken ages to get a diagnosis. Um, along with ourselves, we did not get diagnosed in the first few visits or years of being sick. So definitely, if you know something is wrong, be persistent, be your own advocate and get to the bottom of it. The day in which this podcast actually comes out is going to be the 19th of May, which is World IBD Day. So that's obviously an incredibly important day for us. And we thought we'd actually discuss IBD as a result of it. (laughs) Shocking. Can you believe it, peeps? So anyway... The day that this gets released, please, please, please raise as much awareness as you possibly can with your friends, family, people at work, fellow parents, if you're dropping off your kids at school, however it might look like. I'll obviously just sit on the loo and text everyone as I usually do. That'll be my raising of awareness that day. That is (laughs) one approach. 
<laughs> just to remind them. Um, so yeah, so what we thought we'd do today is we thought we would discuss, I've obviously got Crohn's disease, so I'm going to give a little bit of background about Crohn's disease. Sarah's got ulcerative colitis, she's going to discuss ulcerative colitis. And what we thought we'd do is discuss the misconceptions that come with IBDs in general um, and discuss those at length. What I thought I'd do last week is text my lovely friends to see what their understanding of Crohn's and colitis was to see if there's any misconceptions there and I decided as a result of the responses that one I'm going to get some new friends and two (laughs) they know nothing about something I've lived with for over 25 years so they should be completely ashamed of themselves and three they've clearly learned nothing from the podcast or they've not listened to it. <laughs> Should we start sending out quizzes to our friends at the end of each season to make sure that they're Absolutely. listening? I think it's a great plan. So I'm just going to read out some snippets of what I received. So I asked a few of my friends what they thought they knew about Crohn's and colitis. I think some of them completely misunderstood the question. <laughs> um And then others were lovely and I had some lovely responses. So I'm just going to roll with it and just read out some, Sarah. So one of my closest friends at work, all she said was Cass shitting herself. (laughs) I mean, I think she's listened to the podcast. (laughs) Fair, it's fair. But I don't think she understands Crohn's and colitis. One of my other really close friends who I've grown up with, she messaged me back to say, it makes me think of hanging out in the toilets, holding my hand under the hand dryer constantly while my best mate aka me shits her load again I don't really (laughs) think she understood the question she then sent me another message to say I remember going raving on my own at least one of the nights in Barcelona when we went for a seven-day festival for over 10 years and left my bestie aka me shitting her load and dying in bed again I don't really think you understood the question polls but thanks for your response One of my very good friends who lives in Sweden texts me this. Fuck all, babe. All I know about Crohn's is is that you shit yourself if you eat the wrong thing, dot, dot, dot. And colitis sounds like an old Greek god. (laughs) I'm seeing a common theme here. Yeah, I need to get new friends. (laughs) One of my substitute mothers texts me this, which was quite cool. And this is so me. She texts me going... Crohn's disease reminds me of you getting in a strop when you don't have enough sweet potatoes in your salad because you can't eat the bread like the rest of the people on the table. That happens. I agree. (laughs) And she put, I love you though. I think you're awesome with how you manage your Crohn's. My absolute favorite so far though has to be from, and I am going to name and shame him, is Joel. Joel and I have grown up together, though he should know better than this. So he texts me this, Crohn's. I basically just think it's people shitting themselves. They struggle with food and it affects their tummy. Ulcerative colitis, I don't have a clue for some reason. I think it's to do with the vag. (laughs) I text him back, obviously calling him a dickhead, and said, why do you think that? And he said, because colitis sounds like the coil. Anyway, let's get on to some more serious responses. (laughs) I have absolutely no My lovely friend who's got... My lovely friend who's got celiac disease, she messaged me this, which I really liked. Mm. Keeping life chilled with a massive hint of being on the edge. (laughs) I love that. I like this one. There's always an emergency on the run. 
no matter how planned you are. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. This one I loved, and this was from our Phoebes that we obviously interviewed and is just an absolute babe. She put this, ulcerative colitis and Crohn's summed up to me are a whirlwind of every emotion and sensation you can imagine each day of the week. Hope for a good belly day, disappointment when you get a flare-up, fear of bowel urgency, accidents, pain and cramps, joy when you get a good no bloat day, fatigue when you get drained, when you're drained of nutrients and poor sleep, excitement about your bed after work, and the list goes on. What an emotional roller coaster. I know. She's I'm amazing. Impressed. You'd be our I, content writer, please, Phoebe. Yeah. And then this could. is another one that I really like, the final one. Sinead. I'm naming and shaming because it was a funny one and a good one. I guess if I had to describe it quickly, she's just had a kid, so you know, she's seeing things quickly at the moment. <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind would be the reason Monday mornings in my 20s would be full of stories from you about your black shits. So just to put into context, <laughs> throughout our 20s, we all lived quite closely. I mean, we used to go for Sunday sessions. Do you remember back in the day when you could actually drink on a Sunday and go to work on a Monday and everything was fine? Good old days. We, I used to drink Guinness all day on a Sunday. And then every Monday I'd be texting everyone, I've got black shit. So that's what, what that is. And then she put, on a serious note, having a friend with IBD and listening to the podcast has made me more aware of the complexities of having an IBD. I now know that it's not as simple as how you personally manage it, Cass, with your nutrition. And every diagnosis is different, but I'm still always learning. And the stories of you and your guests has given me such a depth insight. Oh, brilliant. I know. I like that. So anyway, some of you will get Christmas cards this year. (laughs) (laughs) The others, who I don't think thought about their answers very much, will not. (laughs) So for everyone that doesn't understand aka my friends what bowel diseases are we're going to give you a little lesson now said you want to kick it off with ulcerative colitis according to the mayo clinic ulcerative colitis is an inflammatory bowel disease that causes inflammation and ulcers in your digestive tract ulcerative colitis affects the innermost lining of your large intestine the colon and the rectum symptoms usually develop over time rather than suddenly Ulcerative colitis can be debilitating and can sometimes... I can't say that word either. (laughs) I hate that word. (laughs) Uh, Can be debilitating and sometimes lead to life-threatening complications. While it has no known cure, treatment can greatly reduce signs and symptoms of the disease and bring about long-term remission. Ulcerative colitis symptoms can vary depending on the severity of the inflammation and where it occurs. Some of the signs and symptoms may include diarrhea, often with blood or pus, abdominal pain and cramping, rectal pain, rectal bleeding, which is passing small amounts of blood with stool, urgency to go to the washroom, inability despite urgency, weight loss, fatigue, fever, and in children, failure to grow. There are four different types of ulcerative colitis, which I won't go into. Um, here, but we have described them on our Instagram account and we'll be sure to share them again on there. So if you have any of these signs, such as abdominal pain, blood in your stool, ongoing diarrhea that does not respond to over-the-counter medications, diarrhea that awakes you from your sleep, 
and an un, or an unexplained fever lasting more than a day or two, definitely go to see your doctor. And it isn't an easily diagnosed condition. As I said in the beginning, it is something that develops over time. So be persistent. Awesome, Sarah. Is there anything that is on that that you didn't know? It's actually a lot shorter of a definition um, compared to, I think in previous episodes, we've covered additional symptoms and side mm-hmm. effects. So I think this is like the most basic definition, the, the blood in the stool, the urgency to go to the washroom, things like that are quite common. Yeah. Um, and I think well-known according to your friends, um, but <laughs> but it's more of the influence. friends. <laughs> it's more of the inflammation. And then also the one thing that I didn't learn until we were doing the podcast was all of the four different types. And they're really just different parts of your colon that can be impacted. So I have had two of them because mine started uh, quite small and then it expanded through my colon as I got worse. But yeah, so there's definitely quite a few different types. And as we spoke to Dr. Harry about um, when he was describing ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease, it's just so, it looks so different in every patient. So I think these are the high level symptoms that if you start to experience any of them, get yourself to the doctor. But from there, I mean, it's such a unique, it's such a unique disease to every individual. For sure. So going into Crohn's disease, it's quite a similar description. So Crohn's disease is a type of inflammatory bowel disease. It causes inflammation in your digestive tract, which can lead to abdominal pain, severe diarrhea, fatigue, weight loss, and malnutrition. Inflammation caused by Crohn's disease can involve different areas of the digestive tract in different people. This inflammation often spreads into the deeper layers of the bowel. There's no known cure for Crohn's disease. However, therapies can greatly reduce its signs and symptoms and even bring about long-term remission and healing of inflammation. In Crohn's disease, any part of your small or large intestine can be involved and it may, may be continuous or may involve multiple segments. In some people, the disease is confined to the colon, which is part of the large intestine. Signs and symptoms of Crohn's can range from mild to severe, They usually develop gradually, but sometimes will come on suddenly without warning, a.k.a. like at the start of last week's episode. (laughs) (laughs) Great example. You may also have periods of time when you don't have any signs or symptoms, and this can be described as remission. When the disease is active, signs and symptoms may include diarrhea, fever, fatigue, pain, cramping, blood in your stool, mouth sores. I used to get these, I used to get mouth sores loads as a teenager. Reduced appetite and waste, weight loss, pain or drainage near and around the anus due to inflammation from a tunnel into the skin. And also you can have inflammation of skin, eyes and joints, liver or bile ducts, kidney stones, iron deficiency or delayed growth or sexual development in children. So again, like Sarah just said, just to reiterate, please, please, please go and see a doctor if you have the following abdominal pain, blood in your stool, nausea and vomiting, ongoing bouts of diarrhea that don't respond to over-the-counter medication, unexplained fever lasting more than a day or two, and unexplained weight loss. So I think they're quite they're quite similar as such, aren't they, in relation to some of the symptoms um, and how the severity and frequency of the symptoms can be managed with certain interventions. There's a lot of crossover and then a lot of 
unique aspects as well. So ulcerative colitis is more so in the large colon where Crohn's disease, as you mentioned, can be through the small and large intestines. And then also, I think the age range for them is quite similar as well. Most people do get diagnosed before the age of 30, can occur at any age, but most commonly around uh, that period of time. So, and there's a lot of overlap with the urgency to the washroom, the weight loss, the severity, but I don't think, does Crohn's disease have as much bleeding? That seemed to be one significant difference is with ulcerative colitis, you get a lot of blood loss and that can be a high risk factor as well. I mean, even for myself, I ended up, my hemoglobin dropped so low, I had to get a blood transfusion. My iron was always low. So there's quite high risks and complications that come along with that blood loss. So yeah, it's definitely quite interesting because the two of them get grouped together so often because they have so many overlapping factors, but then also when you get into the detail of it, they can be quite different. And some of the treatments do overlap as well as we're aware of, but yeah, it's quite interesting. And if we think about the overlapping, Sarah, it brings us actually quite nicely onto our first misconception surrounding IBD, isn't it? So there's always, my friends still say this to me today, as you can probably see now from the messages that they sent me that people still think I've got IBS I think people have still said to you I didn't know you you had IBS so the the first misconception that we're going to kind of get into is IBS and IBD are not the same thing and I think say so you've got the breakdown of how they are different IBD and irritable bowel syndrome both affect the digestive tract and have similar acronyms. This perhaps explains why some of the confusion is around the different conditions. Medical News Today states that IBD is a disorder of the interaction between the gut and the brain leading to diarrhea, constipation, or both, along with bloating and pain. It can be worsened by stress or anxiety. On the other hand, IBD is the disease of a dysregulated immune system, wherein the immune system starts attacking your own gastrointestinal system, leading to damage. I can't believe I said that word, by the way. Well done, well done mate. mate. The disease you haven't can- been able to say irritable for like <laughs> five takes. <laughs> We're cutting that out, though. <laughs> Nobody heard that part. <laughs> I made a cup of tea while you were saying that one. <laughs> this is a hard job, people. <laughs> IBD can lead to stress, worsening anxiety, depression, and loss of sleep because of the devastating consequences it has on a person's daily functions. Symptoms can include, as we've already covered, bleeding in the stool, diarrhea, severe belly pain. I've never heard belly in a medical article. Severe (laughs) belly pain. Have we double checked the source? (laughs) (laughs) unintentional weight loss, fevers, chills, rectal pain, fatigue, and more. Using that first misconception, you discussed stress a couple of times Yeah, within that. And that was another one that we found loads in relation to the misconceptions of IBD. So I think one of them that stood out loads was that people think or have maybe been told that stress causes IBD. When I read this, I was like, what? How is this a misconception? And then I read further into what they actually meant, which does make sense. So what they were saying is stress does not directly cause IBD because IBD is driven by the immune system. However, an IBD can make your life extremely stressful and stress can trigger IBD flares and exasperate. Is that a word? Exasperate? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> we're on a Very roll great. today. We're so good at this. The, the symptoms in people, which might explain basically the confusion between stress not causing the actual illness, but making the symptoms of the illness worse, if that makes sense. I was quite confused as to why that was a misconception, but actually reading into it, I understand it a little bit more now. So the other misconception that I was slightly ah, about was the nutrition and IBD. But again, when I read into it, I saw what they meant. I was a bit confused with, there was a misconception about nutrition and IBD. However, when I looked into it, it basically was saying that nutrition can't cure IBD. So again, it's just, it's that you, you read that misconception, don't you? And you think, hang on a minute. For me, my nutrition has saved my life in relation to my symptoms. But yeah, my nutrition hasn't cured my Crohn's disease. But to me, the way in which I eat and live my life, I think for me personally, has managed my symptoms and has, I think, reduced the severity and frequency of my really, really kind of really horrible and undesirable symptoms that could impact my quality of life. Again, I think it's right. It can be a real misconception. We've spoken about it before on the podcast where people say this will cure your IBD this nutrition plan will cure your IBD drinking this will cure your IBD and I think it's really dangerous that word cure isn't it because we know that the uh, clinicians know that IBDs aren't curable but you can manage your symptoms that can impact your day-to-day life and nutrition if you're lucky and I and I do say that because I know some nutrition plans people can try anything nutrition wise and it does not help them whatsoever and I think when you're so ill as well and you're at that really 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 serious stage in your illness and you might be there for years it doesn't matter what you eat it doesn't matter what you change um you are just so ill and you can't hold anything down so yeah that was a that was an interesting one to kind of go into and i think one of the issues around people thinking there is a cure is because you can go into remission you can be in remission for years on end decades and then it hits you again so i think sometimes people will try out different treatments things will be going well they'll get stable and they're like oh, i'm cured i'm good and that will continue for years and then they're like oh yeah i totally cured myself not knowing that it could hit again at any moment. But just so you're aware, there is no proven cure at the moment. So if somebody's saying, take this, you'll be fixed, it'll go away. It's just not possible. But they are working and it seems to be that they're advancing quite a bit in this area. So I'm pretty optimistic we will find something um, in the coming decades. But for now, at the moment, do not fall for any kind of marketing that is selling that to you. Absolutely not. So yeah, moving on from what you just said as well, Sarah, in relation to feeling very, very positive about there's going to be, you know, there's loads of research and development going into Crohn's and colitis, as we know, and IBDs in general. Another misconception that I looked into was that uh, quite a lot of people think that everyone needs surgery. I know that's a really big worry for people when they're first diagnosed, that they they assume they're going to have to have surgery straight away or at some point. Mm -hmm. I know some of the parents I've spoken to since starting the podcast, they're really, really worried about their children, their small children, how it's going to impact schooling, their lives, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So I know that this is a big misconception that everyone will need to have surgery. People may, people may not. I was looking on Crohn's and Colitis UK, which is one of my favorite resources, and they had some really cool stats around surgery and they had a stat saying that 15% of individuals with ulcerative colitis will require surgery after 10 years. However, 
the percentage of this is decreasing. And this is because of the safe and effective use of medication. And this is why the rates are continuing to drop. When I was researching the surgery misconception further, it was really interesting to see what the clinicians were saying on this. And all the clinicians were were basically saying the same thing. They want to treat the IBD as quick as possible, because the earlier the treatment, the less likelihood of surgery at some point. Um, As we know, with any health condition, surgery is always the last resort due to the variety of reasons. So whether it's the surgery itself, whether it's the aftercare, whether it's the impact on our other organ systems that result from having surgery. So no, no clinician wants anyone to have surgery for any health condition. We know this, but we do know that surgery can preserve life and it can significantly improve the quality of life. So we follow absolutely amazing individuals on Instagram and have spoken to some incredible females, males, individuals in general um, who have had amazing surgery um, and have got stoma bags as a result of this, whether it's temporary or permanent. And, you know, the individuals are so, so positive. They explain how it's impacted their life. They explain the tweaks and adaptions that they they implement into their life as a result of having their stoma bag. Um, they're really open about how they maintain relationships, have sex, go swimming, go on holiday, have children, you know, have safe pregnancies, safe labors, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and yeah, it's it's been absolutely amazing speaking to these incredible individuals because Sarah and I haven't had surgery ourselves. So I know that our kind of understanding and insight into surgery isn't um, of of the same level as anyone that's had surgery themselves. So yeah, I think, you know, if you are about to have surgery, or if you're worried about having surgery, or you're a parent or relative of someone who may have surgery, follow these individuals on Instagram, because they are so inspiring. They're so knowledgeable They're they raise such incredible awareness over the benefits of having surgery and the aftercare of having surgery. And, and actually, the, the other thing that I absolutely and I know Sarah does as well, absolutely love is that you know, the surgery has saved their life. And, you know, individuals are so proud to show people how this has improved and saved their lives. So yeah, it's it's a difficult topic, I think, surgery, because people really, really, people are very nervous and anxious about surgery. And yeah, if we can raise awareness as much as we can, and the individuals who have actually personally gone through surgery can raise awareness, then, and it helps that people understand surgery, then um, that's awesome, basically. There's two more that are probably really important to me. Again, I think that these are huge misconceptions and especially from people who want to have children. Obviously, that's not me. (laughs) (laughs) But I have a lot of female friends who want to have children. And I have spoken to quite a lot of people with IBD who want to have children and they're quite nervous whether they can become pregnant or safely um, have children. And yeah, uh, it's been a misconception that I've been reading up on and researching that one you can't have children, which is completely inaccurate, number one. And two, that you shouldn't be on your medication when you are pregnant. So there are some medications that uh, your clinicians will obviously look at when you're pregnant, like any medications. It's not just in relation to IBD. It would be like this for any physical or psychological health condition. 
And then there's some perfectly safe medications that you would continue to be on when you're pregnant, because at the end of the day, you want the mother and baby to be as stress-free as possible, as settled, as, you know, minimal symptoms, et cetera. And if that medication is helping with those symptoms, it's that the balance, isn't it, of the importance of of making that mother um, as strong and resilient as possible to to successfully carry uh, that child and safely give birth. So yeah, that's that's a big one for me, because I have a lot of friends who have either had children or have a strong desire to have children so I know again I remove myself from this but I know how important it is for so for a lot of individuals who want children and I'd hate to think that people who have a physical or psychological health condition feel that they can't have children because of it and the final one because I found it really interesting and this was the the science really lengthy wordy thing I sent you and you were like what is this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was honestly the end of my day. I'm like rushing in the taxi to get home in the rain to start recording. And you send me this like medical journal. I'm like, babe, let's summarize it. <laughs> it was like 50,000 words. So I loved it. I read that journal. I thought it was great. Um, but I think still one of the biggest misconceptions, and even you and I were really surprised at, at the amount of organ systems that it did impact, is that IBD only affects the gut. So I think, again, still people just think that IBD affects the gut. And as we know, it certainly does not. And it's interesting, isn't it? Like we knew ourselves that it impacted so many of our organ systems. We, we did, it's not that we didn't put two and two together. But it was only when we spoke about it loads in the podcast, we were like, ah, the penny dropped with quite a lot of things. Yeah. But we've just gotten used to feeling that way or, you know, being that way or whatever it might look like. So so when I looked into it, I'm not going to read the whole medical journal. (laughs) (laughs) Can we get the 30 second pitch? (laughs) Effectively, the GI system goes from our mouth to our anus and our IBD can impact on top of the GI tract, our eyes, skin and joints, to name a few. It can also impact nearly any other organ system. Most common manifestations involve the musculoskeletal system, I hate that word, and the dermatologic, I hate that word as well, systems, musculoskeletal manifestations can impact between 9 and 53% of IBD patients. And the dermatologic manifestations, Jesus Christ, can impact 2 to 34% of IBD patients, with psoriasis being most common in Crohn's disease patients, more so than the general population in general, basically. 100% of IBD patients, this was an incredible uh, stat actually, 100% of IBD patients have an abnormality outside of the GI tract, which doesn't surprise me, but I thought, wow, 100%. And inflammation manifestations of the skin, eyes, liver, bollocks, and joints, (laughs) I need to stop drinking Negroni, and joints, are considered primary manifestations. I find that really interesting. I don't know if anyone else did. So in summary, um, (laughs) IBD can affect both your joints, muscles, and skin. It's essentially what you were trying to say with the bigger words there. Um, And also that... A hundred percent of us will have additional side effects outside of the GI tract, which is quite fascinating. And yeah, because we did cover in a previous episode of season one, uh, different side effects that you get with IBD, but I didn't realize that a hundred percent of people would be experiencing some sort of those additional side effects. That's quite fascinating. It is. And I think the, the thing that came from that reading 
apart from a really good night's sleep, I'm joking. The thing that came from looking at those statistics in general was I really, really worry. This is like my mum cast hat on now or granny cast hat on. I'd really worry that people with IBD would not necessarily think that they may have another health condition. They might just think that they're feeling lousy, their skin's bad because of their IBD or I don't know, whatever it might look like, whatever other symptoms, they might just associate with their IBD, but it might be something else as well that has started because of the IBD, if that makes sense. So I think it's really important for everyone to just be mindful of these symptoms and signs, I think. We've said this before, haven't we? And I'm sure loads of our guests have said this. You're so used to feeling tired and a bit crap or majorly crap or whatever. And I think it's really, really important sometimes to watch out for these other things that might be going on because they could be an indicator of something else there. Yeah, definitely. And you don't want to miss out on another health condition and, and not get really, really early treatment. And then it gets worse, um, as we know illnesses do if they're left untreated, because you think you feel like crap because of your IBD. So that was the thing that came from that. So I wouldn't want people to just think, oh, I just feel lousy because of my IBD. I'm just going to let everything else just roll with it. Um, but yeah, I was quite shocked at the impact it has on everything else. But those are my misconceptions. I will be sitting down <laughs> and going through a folder with all of my friends <laughs> and That's producing a PowerPoint and going through it in my apartment <laughs> and testing them. <laughs> that would be quite entertaining, I feel. <laughs> Honestly. I think a last misconception that we could actually wrap up on is the idea that once you have been diagnosed with an IBD that you are going to miss out on a lot of life. And whilst you may go through periods of being bedbound or being in the hospital or just really frustrating periods, which can last up to years, you will get to the point, maybe it's a different route, but I would say not to, and we've said this before, do not give up on your dreams and your passions and your goals in life. Don't give up on having healthy relationships, on being able to go out and socialize, be active, follow whatever it is that you, what brings you happiness in life, because it is possible. Cass and I have both been incredibly stubborn with our diseases and have continued to travel and go out there, meet new people. We've had our dark days and we have days that we don't get out of bed and that we're frustrated and we're sick of the medical system and treatments aren't working. Like we have definitely been there and it makes life far more challenging. Absolutely. But one thing that we've both said from the very beginning is to not give up. If you want to have a family, if you want to have a relationship, if you want to be single, whatever it is that you want, a really heavy demanding career, or you just want to travel the world, I mean, go for it and always reach out to us. We're always here to have a chat and talk about how we've been able to manage our IBD individually. Uh, but yeah, I think one thing that can feel really overwhelming when you're initially diagnosed is that that feeling of what is my life going to be like now? There's a lot of uncertainty around it, but just keep pursuing what it is that makes you happy, even if you have to take a different route to get there. Absolutely, Sarah. Like we said, sometimes it might take longer. Sometimes you might have to have uncomfortable conversations, which shouldn't be uncomfortable. For example, if you really, really love your job, but you know you're going to have to work from home. I think more employers now because of COVID are more in tune with that kind of working from home kind of sort of contract, etc. Um, whether you want to travel, maybe you want to start a bit closer to home and, and work your way up to going to those kind of faraway destinations where 
there aren't toilets <laughs> like I know <laughs> very well <laughs> it's just a hole in the ground you get used to it um you know you can do these things you know you you genuinely can and you know like we said they might take a little bit longer they might require you to take a little bit of a different route to maybe your peers um but please 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 yeah don't give up and even on those darkest days reach out reach out to those people that you know understand how you're feeling as well because I know I've spoken to quite a lot of people in the IBD community and and we've all kind of said the same thing you know sometimes in the nicest possible way talking to our friends and family who don't really understand (laughs) this the, the the responses you get are quite frustrating and it's not you know by any means a reflection on family and friends but it's it's hard to empathize and give advice on something you don't understand isn't it uh so yeah just please 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 never never think that you are not going to be able to to pursue or achieve your long or short-term goals we're always here to to speak to if you want to have any um you know tips on how we've managed our kind of careers and travel and relationship really really hope you've enjoyed the episode Um, I will be looking to have a new friendship group now after receiving those um responses from my lot we're going to take the summer off so we're going to be recording our amazing guests who we've started to line up. Cannot wait to interview some of the individuals that have contacted us. Some really, really cool stories, some new topics to be covered as well. We're going to finally sort out our journal, uh, which has been an absolute ball eight. But yeah, that's another story. But yeah, really sorry that we're slightly behind schedule with that. Uh, but yeah, cannot wait to catch up with you in the autumn. Thanks so much for all your support. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for all your lovely, lovely messages. We have received some amazing messages about the podcast and, and how it's kind of helped you. Mainly laughing, which is literally why we started the podcast, as you all know. But thanks so much again. We love you all and can't wait to catch up. We will see you in October. Love you.